Welcome to the Success Sensei Podcast for anyone interested in success, happiness, and balance. We'll teach you how to be a black belt at life. And now, your host, former professional fighter, multiple world champion, entrepreneur, and investor, Robert Devan. Bowing in. This is Robert Devan, the Success Sensei, helping you to win at life one kick and punch at a time. Episode 302. There will be more boom before the bust. It's the Success Sensei Podcast main event. There will be more boom before the bust. The economy right now, the global economy, our national economy, it's showing a lot of contraindications as to what's going on. The media are obviously running with the doom and gloom stories of bust and recession and downturns and bursting bubbles. But is that the case? There's a lot of indicators showing the opposite is going on. So we should probably look at those and try to figure out for themselves. Now, keep in mind that none of us are fortune tellers. The The best uh, economic brains out there, they can't tell the future. They're great at analyzing the past and being able to tell you why it worked out the way it did work out. And, you know, there's plenty of modeling for the future. But where was all of that in the last recession, in the in the big, the big one, the big downturn? Where was all, where were all those minds? Where were all those brains? Where was all that modeling? And it's the simple fact that every downturn, every bursting bubble, every um, bare economy it's, it happens for different reasons and happens because of different scenarios and they're not predictable um, or at least it's very, very hard to predict. A lot of people think they can predict and a lot of people remember what it was like 2007, 2008 and the years coming up to that and the years afterwards and they're basing this plan on or their plan for right now on those years and it might necessarily work out like that. In fact, that particular plan might stop the, the bubble from bursting for a while at least. And that is what I'm proposing to you. Let's look at it, first of all. Let's look. And there's reasons for there being a bust. There's reasons for there being a boom. And let's have a, a little conversation about it. And hopefully it'll be in plain enough terms for everybody to understand. I do think it's in everybody's best interest. Whether you think it's going to be a boom, whether you think it's going to be a, a bust, it's in your best interest to prepare yourself and your family in any way possible. There's no point in burying your head in the sand and ignoring it and, and just letting happen what happens. I mean, try to keep a little bit of knowledge going. Try to observe and, and take in your, your own information. Don't necessarily just take in the information that's being fed to us on a on a daily basis because it is all doom and gloom. And you have to remember that the news is in the business of selling news. Negative news attracts more eyeballs than positive news. So that's what's going to be peddled all around constantly. So keep that in mind when you're looking for your, your information. So first of all, on a bust, well, obviously, the Ukraine versus Russia uh, war has, you know, a lot of indicators for there being a downturn for a long time. What happens if that is resolved if that war was resolved now how i mean obviously we're going, we're going to keep this as simplistic as possible and not make it complex but if that war if you woke up tomorrow and there was some type of peaceful resolution in place and the war was over 
I'm predicting there would be uh, an instant surge of happiness and positivity and people would be spending again. I reckon it would absolutely cause a boom. Um, if everything goes cashless, if something, there's some new regulation, there's some new laws, there's some whatever that to, to make things cashless, to speed up cashless, what is going to happen to the billions um, in the black economy? Well, it's going to have to be spent. If it's going to be trapped there and, you know, become non-existent currency, then people are going to want to spend it. So all the money that's not in the economy or that has been earned, um, shall we say, not not in a, in a strictly legal sense, people are going to want to, if they're not able to transfer it into legitimate di digital funding, they're going to want to spend what spends holidays, clothes, cars, um, liabilities, not assets, just spend, spend, spend their way out of, of the, uh, the black economy. Uh, are try to launder as much as possible. So, which is basically going to flood the economy with way more money than is normally in it. Um, right, the next bust one is rising material costs. So that is obviously causing a bust um, and it's very concerning, the cost of materials. But surely at this stage, there's a little bit more supply coming on stream. Surely the logistics... Um, are becoming resolved and becoming sorted at this stage. So the it might not keep rising. Now, maybe you haven't noticed, um, but even only this week, I had a conversation with somebody saying that the cost of timber had gone down, someone in the building sector, the cost of timber had gone down and dropped from where it was. And it dropped a fair, a fair percentage, it dropped like 20% um, decrease in the cost. So there are signs that there's more supply coming on board. There are signs that there's a slowing in the, the how, how quickly and, and to what amount the material uh, costs are rising. So that brings us nicely on to the energy costs and the energy crisis. We're coming into the winter season now. We're coming into a time that everybody knows there's going to be more of a strain on energy and that is worrying a lot of people. And again, worry can drive the market. But what's going to happen when winter is over? When winter is over, will there be more positive sentiment in the market? Again, people knowing that they're coming into the spring and the summer when less energy is required. So to get through this winter could then bring renewed positivity, renewed consumer confidence. And it also gives enough time potentially to sorted for the following winter to sort policy or, or even infrastructure now on a national or a global basis as well as on an individual basis you can decide right okay i'm not having what's happened this winter happen next winter once you get through this winter you might decide right it's all about solar panels you might decide you're going to stock up on on wood you might decide that you're just going to wait for regulations and policy and and things to get sorted on a national level that the crisis isn't going to be the same and hopefully you'll be going into the following winter with not as much um, anxiety over energy so it is something that can be sorted it is something that that will have to get sorted eventually so the sooner it does the sooner it could cause again the markets are all about consumer confidence if there's a lot of positive positivity over over resources then that could cause a boom before there's a big bust 
The shortage of housing is next. Now, obviously, the shorting of how a shortage of housing is a, is a, a big one. Uh, and there will be more supply. There is more supply coming on stream, but the shortage of housing will continue to increase prices. Uh, there is a difference between asking prices, by the way, and selling prices. So everyone talking about, you know, oh, the signs of a recession, the signs of a downturn. They're generally talking about the asking prices have been lowered or asking prices on average are a little less than before. So I had a quick look at uh, one of our major housing websites, myhome.ie, reckons that 2022 asking prices will be up 6%. Um, and that will carry on into 2023, where asking prices will be up by 3%. There is a big difference between asking prices and selling prices. So there's no point in going off statistics when it comes to asking prices. People can ask for how much or, you know, how little they want. Um, a lot of people ask for very little, um, especially the the um, property auctions put down very low prices, knowing that it will cause a frenzy and increase uh, prices a hell of a lot higher than if they'd put up more realistic price. Whether that's questionable, morally questionable, or, or you know, mor morally legal, and, and it's questionable, um, putting down a price so low that it causes like that, that, like a piranha feeding frenzy and gets everyone's hopes up high and drives, drives up the market and leaves a lot of people, um, well, especially if they've made any type of 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 plans based on on hoping to get that purchase, there's a lot of losers in an auction. There's only one person that actually gets the property. So anyway, asking prices are totally different from selling prices, as you as you can imagine. And a lot of the doom and gloom stories have been based on um, reports that I think specifically in the UK that asking prices have been a little bit lower as they normally are at this type of year. Anyway, uh, the next right, bank rates increasing. Um, and also regulations increasing. They could make things worse. They could cause a bit of a burst. Um, yeah, they could. Yeah, absolutely. And the bank isn't hasn't finished putting up the rates as they're as they're so gleefully telling us on a regular basis. They can't wait to put it up. And you know what? All of these measures and including regulations, making things more difficult for people bringing in things, you know, that might necessarily actually be making um life easier or life safer just bringing in regulations for the sake of bringing in regulations because they look good on paper that and the bank rates increasing it's too much meddling in the market and what invariably happens is the more measures that are put in place to try to affect the market and to try to um control capitalism it just can make things actually worse and it can actually have the opposite effect and drive up uh, prices so what i mean by that is about bank rates how could bank rates you know uh, increasing and regulations increasing well it just means that the people the type of people that can make a profit out of out of uh the property sector are going to be people with more resources um people with uh investment funds specifically um can purchase more and and, and continue to drive up uh the price of 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 properties everybody's waiting for you know the prop property prices to drop and there's actually too much money in the system at the moment there's too much money in the economy now i can hear you saying how the hell can that be because you don't have it or you don't see it well the divide is going to get worse than ever and it's not about you know the people in the middle the, the divide is the the people on on the lowest rung of the ladder 
versus people on the top rung of the ladder. Now, the top rung of the ladder is a hell of a lot further away than you think it is. It's not, you know, the middle class that that, that might be considered rich to somebody that is on the, the, the bottom rung of the ladder. But really, the, the divide between the bottom and the very top is going to keep accelerating. And obviously, people that are more at the lower end are thinking, how can there be too much money in the system? But there is investors... And first-time buyers, by the way, are waiting with funds. There are people with a strategy of waiting to see what's going to happen. So waiting with, with funds, hoping that things dip and then they're going to jump in and buy up some brilliant deals. You know, more power to them if, if that works for them. I, I wouldn't begrudge it. But my point is this. If there's that many investors and there's that many first-time buyers in waiting... And there's that much funding in place, then it's too boomy for it to be a bust. There's too much money in reserves for it to be a bust. A proper bursting of the bubble, and not just a recession. A recession is just a shrinking um, of two consecutive quarters. So, I mean, a recession isn't necessarily a burst or, or, or a bubble. Everybody could be still doing well, and there's a shrinking in two quarters. I mean, it's a good indicator, absolutely. But it's not a bust. It's not a it's not a bursting of the bubble that we're talking about. When that happened the last time, um, the majority of people had no funds in reserve and they couldn't borrow. So it, it was very much linked to uh, credit. This one is going to be very, very different because um, when it does happen, the banks are a hell of a lot more, um, a hell of a lot in a better position. Uh, because specifically because of all the rules that came in after the, the the last recession, the last great recession. So and a lot of people um, haven't forgotten what it was like. A lot of people lost a lot of things and they, everybody remembers it very well in this generation. It's not that far removed. So therefore, people have been planning. They've been financially planning, financially hoarding. Um, liquidizing assets to put themselves in a position that when the bubble does burst, they have funding in place. And my point is, as that many people in that position, even if it's not you listening to this and you're, you you can't see it or you don't feel it yourself, there's a lot of people with a lot of money waiting for something to happen. And the thing is that that money, once that money is there, that'll prevent you know a, a bubble from bursting. Certainly, at, at anywhere near like it was never going to be like what it was like the last time. Uh, there's also a shortage of labor, by the way. Um, so even if people are let go, you know, there are, our employment rate is really, really high at the moment. And there is a shortage, especially especially a shortage when it comes to construction. Um, so, I mean, that's going to affect uh, things as well and, and, and make, make that push, push a, a burst further away into the future. When it comes to the Celtic Tiger prices of, up to 2007 we aren't at that rate yet and um, we're about 16 percent nationally below um where the celtic tigers were the celtic tiger prices were in 2007 so what does that mean well you've heard that property is supposed to double every decade and in, in value um, we're 15 years since 2007 now at this stage and property prices haven't doubled. They haven't even reached the, the height of the market the last time. And there's been a massive amount of inflation. Um, our currency has been massively devalued. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility to think that those prices 
will again uh, rise to where they were and beyond where they were in 2007 so the fact that they're still you know whatever 15 percent below where they were nationally on average uh, back in 2007 shows that there is more room in the market for prices to increase whether i'm not hoping they do I'm not wishing any of this one way or another. Hopefully you can position yourself that if there's a downturn, you do well. And if there's an upturn, you you do well. But either way, you should be aware of the scenario. Also, I did a quick a quick um, comparison of, of prices in different countries to see where Ireland stood. So basically, right, basically, the average house price in this country at the moment is just over 300,000. It's 311,000. We'll call it 300,000. So I did a quick search and obviously I looked up what's the average cost of a home in the US of A and it is 428,000. Yes, dollars, but I mean, the, the exchange rate and the, the, the parity of the dollar with the euro at the moment, I'm, we'll just call it the same, right? So over 400,000, 428,000, over 400,000. So the average in Ireland is three over 300 the average in the usa is over 400 the average in canada the average house price in canada is over 800,000 that's over double the usa so we're actually starting to look a bit reasonable now i hear you say hang on the populations are not the same ireland only has 5 million people so i had a quick look at new zealand now new zealand is comparable to us we've 5 million they've 5 million approximately give or take a person or two the average house price in new zealand is 600,000 so double what our average price is and remember these are averages these are average some are lower some are higher i had a quick look at norway as well because they were comparable with 5 million population they are 618,000 is the average house price so again over double what we're at now I obviously, like everybody else, think our market might appear to be inflated. The cost of houses certainly seems expensive. But my point is they could get a hell of a lot more expensive, especially when you look at comparable or non-comparable average house prices in other countries, you know, compare other cities of a comparable, comparable nature. And you're going to see that we absolutely aren't the worst. We're paying more than most countries are when it comes to mortgages and rates. But when it comes to house prices on average, I mean, it could get a hell of a lot more expensive, especially as the population increases in this country. Also, the central bank here have increased um, only recently, the week before last, the income, the loan to income ratio has now gone up to four times uh, gross income. So that's going to, again, also mean that it could potentially push up house prices. So what I'm trying to set out with all of this, with all of this information and the stats upon stats, I could have quoted stats for this and that and the other. I probably am of a more positive outlook than most in that I do think it's going to get a little bit more boomier before it goes bust. I don't think it's gone high enough for there to be a large bust. If there's a bit of a recession, I don't think it's going to be a long and deep recession. I don't see how it could be because it hasn't risen to the heady heights that would allow, like a roller coaster, it hasn't gone up high enough for it to come down. If there's a little come down, it'll probably be just more like a, a, a mid-cycle wobble 
as opposed to an actual burst or an actual downturn. There will be with everything that's going on, with, with all the money that's been injected into the economy over the last few years, with with more money than in than I think in, in all the times of recorded history over a short period of time, there was more money injected. And there will still continue and there is continuing to be um, financial easing measures for every household in the country, whether it's to do with the uh, energy, whether it's to do with welfare, whether there, there's still a lot of measures, there's still a lot of money being spent. Um, and there will continue to be a lot of money being spent because a lot of people are going to make sure that their countries are, or at least appear to be doing better. So uh, I suppose what I'm, what I'm really kind of getting at is that the UK, for example, it's not. It doesn't seem to be doing very well at the moment, um, due to due to ill-informed budgets and due to various different uh, mis mismanagement skills. So, whoever is running the ship to get it back on stream and to make Brexit, whether it was actually really wanted or not, to make it a success, the economy really does need to be thriving. How will the economy become thriving? Well, I would imagine it will be back to printing money and, and uh, you know, causing more of a boom before the bust. Look, have a think about all this. You don't have to be economist. I probably should have said it at the start. I'm not an economist. You don't have to listen to anything that I'm saying. You don't have to take my word for it. But the reason why I wanted to do that this episode is that it affects everybody no matter how little money you have it affects your future it affects the little tiny bit of money that you have and whether you can keep it or not and it affects your future and um, it's also nice to hear someone's opinion that's not an economist and as i said an economist is all well and fine but they're not fortune tellers and so many of them got it wrong in the past so many of them will get it wrong in the future it's, it's important to have a look at things yourself and see where you stand, see where your confidence is at, see see what, how your mind is fixed, because it's you're going to base all your future financial decisions on the information that you have on hand, your belief system. I would absolutely love to hear what you think. I would absolutely love if you like to hear episodes like this, or should I just leave the economy and money alone altogether? and leave it to the great economists. Let me know what you think. Let me know if I've sparked anything in your brain. Let me know how you're feeling. It's a common conversation I'm having with pretty much everybody from every different type of business. Everybody's trying to establish where are you at? How are you feeling? Do you think there's a downturn? Do you think there's an upturn? Well, not that, not that many people are asking, do you think there's going to be an upturn at all? Do you think there's going to be a downturn? And a lot of people I'm talking to, they they think there is, but they're all saying that they're absolutely flat out and have enough work to last them the next couple of years. So, you know, what does that tell you? You know, make sure you do your own research. And as I said, message me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'm Robert Devan, the Success Sensei. Life is a fight you can enjoy and win. Bowing out. This has been the Success Sensei, fighting the winning fight. So add us, subscribe, like, and comment. Keep those hands up and keep moving forward.